I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio is Dr. Angela Wynand, the head of the Mitchell Center for African American Heritage and Diversity Programs at the Delaware Historical Society. And joining us by phone is Sarah Lynn Rosenfield, the Director of Learning Engagement at the Delaware Art Museum. What might seem to be uh, an unusual uh, collaboration between a historical and an art museum, a historical society and an art museum, actually is not. We're here today to talk about Wilmington 1968, an initiative that's going to be taking place over the next several months uh, on the 50th anniversary of the uh, assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and the subsequent uh, uh, problems in Wilmington, including a nine-and-a-half-month occupation by the National Guard. Uh, welcome, Sarah Lynn and Angela. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank so you, Paul. Let, let's start with the initiative itself, and then we're going to turn to uh, a colloquium coming up. Uh, later in April. Uh, but Wilmington 1968, uh, wh- what was the impetus behind this? I know the Art Museum, Delaware Art Museum, was a leader in this, uh, along with the Delaware Historical Society. What, uh, what sort of prompted this, and, and what is this initiative? What does it look like? Sure. Well, last summer, we I contacted Angela at the Historical Society um, because the Delaware Art Museum was starting to plan our summer exhibitions, which will be this summer in 2018. Um, and it's a series of uh, visual document documentation um, type exhibitions that focus on the civil rights movement. And we recognized that this was a historic year for Wilmington and uh, Angela and the Delaware Historical Society were already doing some of this work in the community um, with an oral history project. And so we reached out to the Historical Society to talk about co-hosting a convening of community members uh, to start really talking about um, how we wanted to address the content of um, some of the work that we were going to be doing around uh, the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And um, and so we had reached out to, to several community members and several organizations and filled a room um, in mid, uh, mid-summer, and we started the conversation. And, and what resulted was, um, I think, some strengthened partners, uh, some new partnerships and strengthened relationships. And, um, of course, we now have, we collaborated on creating a website where uh, a lot of information lives about uh, this initiative. And the website is? Uh, the website is wilmington1968.org. Angela, anything to add to that before I ask my next question? Sure. Well, when I think about uh, what prompted me at the Mitchell Center to organize the Oral History Project, um, it was part of a conversation that I was having with one of our board members at the museum, uh, Reverend Livingston, Reverend Lawrence Livingston, um, grew up in Wilmington and was actually a teenager. I guess we would say he was 11 or 12 years old when the um, events in 1968 occurred. And one of the concerns that he shared with me is that people's, some people's lived memory focuses in on the violence of that time, the fear that they had about how society in general was changing and the ways in which um, it was impacting or changing 
the downtown of Wilmington, he said a bigger part of his memory was that he had a sense of the world opening up. And I guess, you know, being a young person who was um, in school, approaching high school age and just starting to think about his relationship to the world in a different way, not not just uh, in terms of family roles or his participation in church, but, you know, what that really meant to be socially engaged with the world, that he saw the aftermath of 1968 as an opportunity to get engaged. And so for me, with the Oral History Project, I wanted to communicate that with the students who were participating in collecting some of those oral histories. Um, and I think what Reverend Livingston had to say to the group in the convening meeting also motivated um, how we want to treat this period. Now, uh, Sarah Lynn, I'm going to turn to you here. Um, uh, as, as a former history teacher, I felt compelled to go back and review my history of the events. And my understanding that then Governor Terry had actually uh, 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 brought uh, National Guard troops together uh, a few months prior to uh, the events of April 1968 uh, in, uh, I wouldn't say in anticipation of problems, but uh, maybe it was uh, that he he had concerns. Uh, he was a, he's described as a Southern style Democrat. And uh, when, when the assassination occurred and there was some street violence, uh, which actually sprung out of, I understand, actually youth protests in, in Wilmington. Uh, right. Angela's shaking her head yes, so hopefully I'm <laughs> right there. Uh, that uh, the mayor at the time, Mayor Babiars, uh, called for assistance, and that's when Governor Terry brought in the National Guard. But after some time, Mayor Babiars felt that, okay, we don't need the troops here anymore, and Governor Terry said, yes, you do, and kept them here for what turned out to be the longest occupation of, of uh, troops in a city since the Civil War. Uh, and the reports I read suggested that the violence in Wilmington was not disproportionate to what was happening in other cities, but the response to it was. And, and that that response also was kind of reflective of tensions that had, that had uh, been in existence for some time. And I think 50 years later, uh, we still, you know, look back at 1968 and ask what has changed and what can we learn? Is, is that part of what Wilmington 1968 is about? Yeah, and in fact, that's exactly what it's about. And we, we were very conscious about looking at um, the events before uh, April 1968, um, during, after, and beyond. And actually, um, that that quote is uh, from one of our community members, uh, Dr. Newton, who participated in the groups because we we realize that, <laughs> and many as many people are realizing what what has changed, has much changed at all. Um, are things just veiled in a different way? And um, one of the great things about the website Wilmington1968.org um, is that we've we've included a timeline of some of these events so that the community can really understand um, how. Uh, the government kept the National Guard in place uh, and, and why there was this confusion or this thought that there was violence still downtown um, when, in fact, it wasn't um, for some it was not that severe, but um, the media was portraying it in a certain way. 
um, Governor Terry certainly thought that there was a need to. We there's some quotes on there that um, have documentation of government uh, Governor Terry um, saying why he felt the need to keep the National Guard downtown. Um, and I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Simone Austin was the Delaware Art Museum's um, Alfred Appel Curatorial Fellow last summer, and she did a lot of this research for the timeline, and I, I believe that's how we connected more with the Delaware Historical Society, because she was also conducting these oral interviews and connecting with some of the members um, that Angela was connected with. And so she was interviewing people from the National Guard um, uh, who were living downtown, uh, people with the news journal. So she was trying to get all these perspectives included um, so that we can further understand what really happened. Yes, that's exactly right, Sarah Lynn. Um, Simone's research was essential to creating the timeline that we have included on the website, as you already mentioned. And um, it was a wonderful opportunity for her to engage with some of the uh, interview subjects um, that she has recorded memories and observations from. The Delaware Historical Society includes a research library, and uh, Simone was able to take advantage of a lot of the materials there, newspaper reports from the time. Um, uh, Part of the record is um, Governor Terry's anticipation of violence dating from the the events of the previous summer, uh, Detroit and other cities that experienced violence in 1968 were responding to this this larger set of uh, tensions um, around economic needs, around social needs, educational needs, as well as employment needs that people felt were not being uh, thoroughly addressed. Um, you know, even though we're looking at the passage of uh, federal legislation, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and 1965, um, those significant pieces of legislation still only touch upon longstanding issues that have affected African-American society. And and as a resource for all of this, um, th- that's part of the purpose of the Wilmington1968.org site. And my understanding is that this is a resource that will continue to grow. Is that correct? I think that yes, would... Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Angela. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, um, yes, uh, Simone is definitely continuing her research um, the oral history project that was mentioned uh, that we piloted last summer um, is being continued this summer as well um, with the hope of eventually making it a year-round experience for some of our um, um, high school students in the Wilmington area so that they can uh, uncover more of these unknown, unrecorded stories and make them available um, to enhance people's understanding in the future. Well, I, I want to pursue another feature of the Wilmington1968.org site, but first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guests in the studio today are the Director of Learning and Engagement from the Delaware Art Museum, Sarah Lynn Rosenfield and the head of the Mitchell Center for African American Heritage and Diversity Programs at the Delaware Historical Society, Dr. Angela Wynand. Uh, The Wilmington1968.org site also has a component to it that is highlighting a series of uh, events and activities and opportunities to learn more about uh, 
Wilmington in 1968 and the history that Wilmington has experienced. Uh, could you speak to that, Sarah Lynn, sort of some of the, the range of activities and, and sort of the partnerships? I mean, this really has been an incredible uh, uh, example of organizations partnering around a common theme in Wilmington. Yeah, we have so many programs that actually kicked off on April 4th, uh, Wednesday, and um, and a lot of them are not just looking at the history, but also looking, as we mentioned earlier, thinking about what we can do now and taking some of the issues that um, the the racial and social justice issues that were present in 1968 and thinking about them now. Um, so there's everything from community forums to documentary films to colloquiums, um, uh, workshops for educators and exhibitions. Um, there's a summer series of exhibitions at the Delaware Art Museum. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there um, on June 30th, there's going to be a uh, photography exhibit of work by Danny Lyon, Memories of the Southern Civil Rights Movement. And that will be paired with illustrations, drawings by um, Harvey Dinnerstein and Burton Silverman of the Montgomery Bus Boycott. And then also uh, the research that Simone was doing is informing the work of a commissioned piece by contemporary artist Hank Willis Thomas, um, which will be unveiled on July 14th. There will be an opening on July 13th for all these exhibitions at the Delaware Art Museum, where he's using uh, a technique called uh, retroreflective technology um, in these photographs from the News Journal um, to create a piece that is going to be unique to Wilmington's history. Um, and it should be it should be really neat. And and as I to put in a plug for the Delaware Division of the Arts, uh, part of our role in partnering with this initiative is to uh, share access to our arts calendar, DelawareScene.com. I, I know the link from the Wilmington1968.org site. Uh, if you click on events, it goes uh, to DelawareScene.com, and we have a special feature highlighting all of the arts and cultural activities that are connected in some way to this uh, to this theme. I just went on this morning and saw quite a number uh, of events, and a couple of them you referenced, uh, Sarah Lynn. Sure. Um, like the Delaware Contemporary, for example, has an exhibit coming up in a, collo- in a colloquium on um, on April 22nd that is paired with Guardians of the Image Maker Group. Um, they are going to be, um, it is a show that's curated by Morgan Hamilton and showcases work of local artists who exemplify the spirit of Percy Ricks. Um, Percy Ricks had founded the Aesthetic Dynamics um, Incorporated. It's a nonprofit dedicated to emboldening the arts in Wilmington. And he uh, orchestrated an exhibition in response to the 1968 riots and civil rights struggle. So the colloquium uh, will address multi-generational perspectives on how the arts will bring, uh, bring people together to resolve differences. And the panel discussion will highlight human dignity in times of unrest, uh, shared stories, and pave a path towards tolerance, healing, and transformation. And there's a really great group of panelists um, from Christina Cultural Arts Center, from the University of Delaware, um, several of the partners who have been involved with the with the initiative itself. Uh, Sarah Lynn, uh, let, let me ask you this question. It, it's interesting how, how active the Art Museum is in this, and you mentioned the Delaware Contemporary. I know they have a number of, e- of events uh, related to this. Um, 
What does that say about the arts and what the arts can do for uh, raising social consciousness? Well, I think the arts are a very powerful voice in in the community and the nation, Um, especially now. A lot of artists are working to... um, are, are working in a social practice that addresses issues in the community. And uh, the Partnership for Arts and Culture at University of Delaware is actually exploring this idea of how um, the arts can improve our communities, uh, how they can tackle issues around health and education um, in the arts. Um, one of the, the projects that Hank Willis Thomas does on the side is called For Freedoms, and it's a, the first artist super PAC and Um, We're actually going to be hosting a town hall with him uh, at Kingswood Community Center on September 20th, and he is going to be working with the community to focus on the Restorative Schools Issue Campaign, and and that's also in partnership with Network Delaware. And it will be interesting to see how artists can have this conversation with the community and the idea in an ideal world, what will happen is, is that we'll create some sort of art community project um, around this to help with the campaign um, around the election. So we can really activate and motivate people um, around some of these issues concerning um, the community. Now, Angela, I've been running into you at a number of different meetings, whether it be the Partnership for Arts and Culture with the University of Delaware or the Wilmington 1968 Initiative. Uh, Your role with the uh, Mitchell Center, who have you been working with in pulling all of your pieces together for this? Um, well, the Delaware Art Museum has been an, an excellent partner, uh, and the Delaware Contemporary Museum as well, which is hosting the colloquium that's coming up later in April. Um, our um, community support also comes from many of the individuals that were instrumental in uh, creating the Mitchell Center as a new entity within the Delaware Historical Society. Um, as uh, Sarah Lynn was just describing some of the work that's coming up uh, for them through the art museum, I couldn't help but reflect on the fact that uh, that this kind of activism, com- uh, combining social justice issues with different forms of creative arts, is a longstanding tradition and a longstanding um, part of African-American historical experience. Uh, when visitors come to the Delaware History Museum and visit our Journey to Freedom exhibition about African-American history in Delaware. We're able to introduce them to some of the key figures in Delaware's history, for example, Ed Loper and um, uh, some of our jazz musicians like Clifford Brown, who have always uh, married those things together, their social experiences as African-American men with social justice issues and awareness of uh, how the arts can connect people around those issues and express what people are going through. Um, We think about periods of time like the Harlem Renaissance, uh, more currently the black arts movement that emerged out of the civil rights movement and the black power protests of the late 60s. So um, we're able to some of the events that we're doing now, I think, are a, are definitely an outgrowth of those expressions and those periods. Mm-hmm. And I believe Delaware Humanities has been involved in some of this as well. Is that correct? Yes, and yeah. we'll be partnering with them as as well as the Delaware Art Museum for a screening of uh, A Dream Deferred, the documentary um, that Delaware Humanities helped to uh, 
sponsor and and develop. Um, that event is in June on June seventh. Um, June seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, back to the colloquium, uh, Sarah Lynn. A little more detail on how people can find out about this. I understand it's free and open to the public. Sure. So, um, first of all, I'd encourage people to to go to wilmington1968.org and and connect with our events, which are then connected with the Delaware Scene site, or you can go directly to delawarescene.com and type in Wilmington 1968. Um, you can. There's a link to the Delaware Contemporary where you can register for. Uh, guardian, I'm sorry, for um, recall and response, the colloquium. And uh, it is free. And it is, um, anyone should attend. And uh, your speakers, again, I understand, are Dr. Colette Gator from the University of Delaware. Is that right? Uh, yes. yes. And, and then yeah. uh, Ray Jones Avery from Christina Cultural Arts Center, Terrence Van, a local African American artist, and Jamie Loper. Yeah. Correct. And there's also an opportunity, sort of a, a town hall roundtable discussion that will be moderated by uh, Dr. Julie McGee, from, also from the uh, Partnership for Arts and Culture at University of Delaware, and a, a chance for the audience to uh, participate in conversation. Yeah, and we, we definitely feel like having, um, you know, we certainly want to provide people to speak, but I think the best um, learning and for, for the uh, participants comes out of the dialogue that happens. Yeah, and, and and again, I I think this is a great opportunity to to reflect back on the events of 1968, what led up to that, and how those events have kind of shaped shaped our perception of of Wilmington as a city over the over the past 50 years. Well, uh, we're running out of time here, so I just want to thank you, Sarah Lynn Rosenfield, for joining us from the Delaware Art Museum. And Angela Wynand from the Delaware Historical Society has been great having you with us today. Thank, Thank you, Paul. You so much, Paul.